Now, that's a funny video, and I've enjoyed watching that video many times over the years. And that kid went on to be famous and was on talk shows and things like that for using the word apparently. But another word that sometimes gets overused in today's vernacular, and we want to look at that word today, is the word challenge. You know, we have so many challenges in our life, and we start to hear these things. I, I, I started doing some research, and I got on the internet, and I found out challenges that you can find on YouTube. And listen to this list of things that I found. You have the last to leave challenge. That's when you put your hand on something and you want to be the last one to take your hand off of it. You have the eat it or wear it challenge. The try not to laugh challenge. The speed drawing challenge. The chubby bunny challenge. The cinnamon challenge. And the ghost pepper challenge, which a few weeks ago, some of our staff members tried a version of that. Ready, set, go. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh gosh. Water, water, water. Cut, cut. How about when we pair the word challenge with diet? I did a little research on this, and here's some of the diet challenges that I found online. I found the seven-day diet challenge. I found the 10-day diet challenge. I found the 14-day diet challenge, the 21-day diet challenge, the 30-day diet challenge. I even found the 30-day eat real food diet challenge. And I even found this one, the eat more donuts diet challenge. Now, I'm going to be honest, I made that last one up, but if I was in charge of diet challenges, I can promise you the Eat More Donuts diet challenge would be on there. And sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with all these challenges that we face. And if we're honest, eating healthy is a challenge for some of us. And it's fun to watch those internet and those YouTube challenges. And we get a kick out of it. And it's fun to try those. But some of us today, we might be sitting here and there are some real challenges in our life that we're facing. Today, some of you may be facing the challenge of staying sober. Others of you may be facing mental health challenges. Some may be facing challenges with anxiety or fear. Some have challenges with their health, either through cancer or maybe heart disease or diabetes. All of us face different challenges. Challenges aren't foreign to us, just sometimes we get used to hearing the word. And if you're a Christ follower, and we enter this whole new world that we've been talking about, sometimes we feel like, why am I still facing challenges? Because I thought when I started following Jesus, all my challenges would go away. But you and I both know that's not the case. And we continue to face these challenges, and sometimes challenges can just beat us down. Some people, they love a challenge. They love taking on new challenges when others of us, we love to just run as far away from challenges as possible. But before you give up and before you get too frustrated or maybe you get too overwhelmed, I would love for us to just take a moment and to look at this story in the book of Joshua about a guy that faced challenge after challenge after challenge in his life. And yet somehow his perspective, somehow his outlook on life, somehow his go for it attitude never went away. But before we jump into that, would you just do me a favor? And I want to take a moment. I want to ask God to speak to us through his word today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the faithfulness 
of your word. We thank you that we can open scripture and we can see examples from it that help us deal with life issues today. God, I know that there are some of us today that are facing challenges in our life that we just don't know how we're going to overcome them. And God, I ask that you would encourage us through your words. Speak through me. Help my mind to be clear and my words to be on point. And when we get through this, God, I ask that we would understand better how to face challenges in our life. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of my favorite characters in Scripture when I was a kid was a guy by the name of Caleb. I can still remember sitting in Sunday school, and yes, I know that dates me, but I can still remember sitting in Sunday school singing the songs about Caleb. I even did some research to find out if this song was still around, and I had to dig deep on the internet to find the lyrics to I Want That Mountain. And some of you might have never heard that song, and I'm not a great singer, so I'm not going to sing it. But basically, that song was about, hey, Caleb wanted a mountain that God had promised him. And I remember as a kid hearing about this guy, man, I love Caleb. I love the name Caleb so much that my wife and I even named our firstborn Caleb. But who is this guy, Caleb? Who, what was he all about? Because to be honest, there's not a lot of scripture written on him. In fact, he's just found in a couple places. And here we are in the book of Joshua, and we're studying Joshua, and some of you are expecting to hear stories about Joshua, and now I'm jumping to some other guy that just has a small mention in the book, but I think we can see from his life some great examples on how to face new challenges when they come our way. So I want to jump into the story way back in the book of Numbers. That's where we first see Caleb mentioned. And just a quick recap, basically God had led the children of Israel out of Egypt and they're coming to the southern tip of this land that he had promised them called the promised land or called Canaan. And so here stands a million plus people waiting to enter into this promised land and God tells Moses, their leader, hey, find me one guy from each tribe. There was 12 tribes, so give me 12 guys to go into this land and I want them to check it out. And so sure enough, there's 12 guys picked, one from each tribe, and two of those guys, we know their names pretty well, Joshua and Caleb. And so these guys go for 40 days into the land. They go from bottom to top and back down about 150 miles, and they scope out the land. And when they come back, they all get together and they give a report. And that's where we pick up the story. In Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 28, here's what scripture says. It says, however... The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And beside, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now right off the bat, they start the report saying, hey, here's the things that we saw. We saw a land of the descendants of Anak. You say, who in the Sam Hill is Anak? Anak was a giant. And so basically they're saying, hey, there's some large people in this land and there's some fortified cities and we don't know if we can take it. But Caleb speaks up in verse number 30. Look what Caleb says. He says, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. It goes on to say this. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying the land 
which we have, through which we have gone to spy out is as a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And he go on to say this, so much so it seemed to ourselves that we were grasshoppers. That's how we look to them. We're like grasshoppers. Now Joshua and Caleb saw a land that was a little bit different than that. But this report is given to the people of Israel. And basically I think Moses says, hey, let's, let's think about it overnight and we'll get, get back together tomorrow. And so we jump forward one chapter in Numbers chapter 14. And in verse number six it says this, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh who were among those who had spied out the land tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. He goes on to say this, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Hold on a minute. They're telling the people, we've seen this land. It's full of milk and honey. It's a good land. The the scripture describes the grape clusters as these huge grape clusters that it took two men to carry back. The land has got plenty of food. The land is a great place. God has provided for this land. He's going to take care of us. And it says the people wanted to stone them for this report. And Caleb looks at this and it's amazing to me. There's 12 guys that go in and only two of them come back and they look at things completely different. See, Caleb had his eyes on God and Caleb had his eyes on what God had promised. And he was keeping his eyes on the God that led him out of Egypt. He was keeping the eyes on the God that led him across the Red Sea. He understood what God was capable of. And when Caleb spied out this land, instead of problems, he saw possibilities. He didn't see the problems that the other 10 spies saw. Him and Joshua saw the possibilities. And when new challenges come our way, do we see possibilities or do we see problems? What kind of perspective do we take on things? Do we look at things and say, oh man, this is going to be hard. Oh, this is going to be difficult. Or do we say to ourselves, listen, I am excited about the possibilities that are coming with this new challenge. David wrote in Psalm 31, 24, he said, be strong and let your heart take courage. All you who wait for the Lord. David understood that. He said, when challenges come our way, way, when we face things that are difficult, man, look at the possibilities of God to work in our life. Look at the possibilities of growth in my life. When we face a challenge in our life, when we face a challenge at work, do we look at the possibilities of growth? Do we look at the possibilities of learning something new? Or do we see a problem? When we face challenges at home, do we see the possibilities of growing tighter as a family, as a husband and a wife, or as parents and children, or do we look at the problems that are going to come with it? You students, when you face challenges at school, do you see the possibilities of learning something new and and becoming more experienced in life, or do you see the problems that come your way? Caleb saw possibilities when others saw problems. 
So the story goes on, and I wish I could tell you that it was better than expected, but if they were trying to stone the two good spies, then guess what? They didn't enter into the promised land. And here they are in this town of Kadesh, and Kadesh became a place of trouble for the Israelites because here is where they decided not to trust God. They saw the problems instead of the possibilities. And so God sends down a decree that for 40 years you're going to walk around in the desert. You're going to wander around in this big circle that's really only about a three to five day journey and you're just going to walk in this circle for 40 years. And they constantly come back to this this place that they started at, Kadesh. It's where Moses struck the rock instead of talking to it, where he lost his ability to see the promised land someday. It's where his sister died. Miriam died and passed away. This wasn't a great place for them. But two guys that wanted to go into the promised land, they didn't get to at this point. And I think about this. I think about what was Caleb's reaction when he found out, hey, I know that God's going to deliver this land to us. I know that we can take over this. What was his reaction when he found out he didn't get to go? You know, I think if that were to happen to me, I would focus on how unfair it was that I had to pay the price for other people's decision. I think most of us are like that, aren't we? We don't like paying the consequences for other people's decisions. But that's exactly what happened to Caleb and Joshua. And I could see maybe even some bitterness welling up in Caleb. We don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us. And I'm just imagining if I was in that position. And maybe you can sit there today and put yourself in that position. What would you react? How would you react? What would you say to all this? And maybe Caleb had some bitterness well up, but I don't think he dwelled on that. See, I think this journey through the desert, this 40-year journey, it didn't make him bitter, it made him better. He took the opportunity to take that time, and I think he increased in his faith. He increased in his walk with God. He increased in following God's direction for his life because he continued to be faithful. He continued to lead. And what about us? When we face unfair challenges, when we face challenges in our life that we had nothing to do to bring on and they're just unexpected, how do, do we become bitter or do we become better? Man, you and I have both talked to many people that have become bitter at life because challenges came their way and instead of getting better because of them, they became bitter. And there were so many opportunities for Caleb to get bitter. Here he is. He's walking around the wilderness for 40 years. All of his peers, all of his friends are passing away. Anybody over 20 besides Caleb and Joshua passed away. They died. And yet he, became, he continued to be better and better. And I want to challenge us when we face things in our life, when we face challenges that might seem unfair or might seem that we're all alone and there's no one around and no one there to help us. I want to challenge us to get better, not bitter. I'm reminded of what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, 165, when he said this great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Man, when I focus in on God and when I keep my eyes on him and when possibilities come my way, it's not going to cause me to stumble. It's going to cause me to become better. So fast forward 40 years and we finally get to the book of Joshua. We're finally in a whole new world. And we come to Joshua chapter 14 and the children of Israel are now in this whole new world. They're in the promised land. And there's two old guys left 
There's Joshua and Caleb. So I can say with certainty that Caleb was either the oldest guy around with Israel or he was the second oldest. And he comes and he has a conversation with Joshua. Look what Joshua 14 says. It says, the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. It goes on to say this. And Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever. Why? Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Do you see a theme starting to pop up here? And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses. And while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spake on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. He finishes out, it says, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Now there's a lot to unpack from this passage. The first thing is Caleb is 85 years old at this point. Can you believe he's 85 years old? And he's saying, I'm just as strong today as I was 40 years ago. And we, we think about that and that's called old man strength. You know, once in a while I've got to break it out on my boys when they question if I'm still strong enough to take them. But we've heard old guys talk about that. But I really believe Caleb was staying there before Joshua and he had the strength that he had those 40, 45 years earlier. But something that keeps being brought up is that he wholly followed the Lord. And so he gets to this thing and it gets to the point in his life where he's kept his eyes on God. And even though all those that he knew, all those that he grew up with, all the friends, all the family, everyone that was his age or older has now gone by the wayside. They're now dead. And it's just him and Joshua, the two old guys conquering the land together. But he's kept his eyes on God. He's kept his eyes on the God that led him out of Egypt. He's kept his eyes on the God who led him across the Red Sea. He's kept his eyes on the God who led him 40 years through the wilderness and provided manna from heaven and provided clothes that wouldn't wear out. He's kept his eyes now on God as they've crossed the Jordan River. He's kept his eyes on God as they've marched around Jericho. And he's wholly followed the Lord. And he held on to one thing. He held on to the power of the promise. See, Caleb understood the power of the promise. He said, Moses has promised me this land. And this land wasn't some retirement community that he was ready to jump into. No, this land was full of hills. It was full of mountains. It was full of giants. He said, listen, I'm ready to take them on. I'm just as strong today as I was 45 years ago when I thought we could take these giants and drive them out. These giants weren't going to hand over the keys to their house. They were going to fight them tooth and nail. And yet he says, God's with me. I've kept my eyes on him. I've wholly followed him. He's going to deliver this to me. 
See, he understood the power of the promise that God had given him. He understood the power of the promise that Moses delivered. David understood this in Psalm 62 and verse number five when he said this, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. He goes on to say this. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. David didn't stop there, but he also wrote in Psalm 91 in verse number four, he said, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror, by, uh, the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. See, Caleb understood the power of this promise because he understood who this promise came for. Our God is a God that fulfills his promise and he knew God promised me this land 45 years ago and he's gonna deliver it to me today. And when we face challenges in our life, we need to understand the power of the promise. Some of us, we need to get into the scripture. We need to start reading what God has said and we need to grab onto these promises. Do you have a promise that you can grab onto when you face a challenge in your life? Caleb had been holding this promise for 45 years. He hadn't let it go because he knew God was gonna be faithful and he wholeheartedly followed after God. I think, I think that's the key. I think some of us, we're not all in. We're still holding on to something. See, in our life, new challenges bring new fears. These challenges that he faced, they, they, they could have welled up inside of him. Most of us at 85, we're ready to retire and Caleb is still kicking. He's still ready to go. It didn't matter to him that the giants were still there. It didn't matter to him that he had to wait 45 years to get to the place that he wanted to be because he held on to that promise. And even though new challenges can bring new fears, he understood the power of the promise. And I want to encourage us today. We need to get in scripture and we need to grab onto that promise. But once we grab onto it, we gotta follow him wholeheartedly. We gotta go all in. See, I found in my life, I like to hold on to a little bit still. I like to be in control. I like to manage what's going on in my life. And it's so hard for me to say, God, I'm all in. Here's all of me. You've got all of me from head to toe. You've got all my mind. You've got my emotions. You've got my wants. You've got my desires. God, I'm all in. I'm going to follow you. And Caleb was successful with challenges in his life. When new challenges came up, he was successful because he went all in. He wholeheartedly followed after God. Maybe today you're watching this and you say, you know what, I don't, I don't know that there's been a time when I went all in. Maybe you've been watching online for a while. Maybe you've been to church in your life. Maybe church is something that's brand new to you. Maybe this Christian life is something that you've, you've been looking at, you've been examining, but you're just not sharing. And maybe you're holding back. Can I encourage you, man, go all in. Push it all in. Say, God, you've got all of me. I'm giving you all of me today. See, the greatest promise that God delivered to us was the promise of his son. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live on this earth, to die on a cross and to be risen again so that 
he could, number one, forgive our sins, but also have a relationship with us. And in Romans 10, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that whosoever is me, that whosoever is you, will be saved. And today, you can go all in. And if it's your desire to say, you know what, I'm tired of facing challenges on my own. I'm tired of not understanding how I'm going to get, make it through tomorrow. Man, God says, listen, I'm, I'm here with you. I want to I encourage you. I want to walk alongside of you. I want to pick you up when you fall. And today you say, I want that relationship with God. Would you just do me a favor? Would you just take a moment and tell God something like this? Say, God, I want to confess my sin to you. And I believe that your son, Jesus, he came, he died, he was buried, and he rose again for my sins. And today I'm, I'm setting aside my pride. I'm giving you all of me. I'm putting my trust in you. Thank you for providing a way of escape for me. Now, Scripture teaches us that if you confess that with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, if you've given your life to Christ today, then you've got something brand new. And challenges are still going to come. I wish I could say once we give our life to Christ, everything is better, but that's not the way it works. But now when you face those challenges, you've got him with you, encouraging you, lifting you up, because God is faithful to fulfill his promise. Now, for the rest of us today, if you've already gone all in with Christ and you're like, I'm still facing some challenges in my life, I want us to remember three things. The first thing is this. I want us to remember, see possibilities instead of problems. When difficulties, when challenges you come your way, see the possibilities. Don't, don't focus on the problems. Focus on what am I going to get out of this? What am I going to learn from this? What is God going to do in my life? When we feel the loneliest and when we feel uh, maybe challenges come our way that are unfair, I want to challenge you to be better, not bitter. Get better in the midst of that. And then the last thing I want you to think about today is this. Understand the power of his promise. God is faithful and God loves you and he's promised to bring you through to the other side. Man, hold on to that promise. As we go into this final song, if you've made a move today towards God, we would love to celebrate that with you. If you would just text the word faith move to 94,000. 